Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 409 on Tuesday, the 29th of June, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we'll be wondering if Jaguar's plan will make any difference with the public. We'll be guessing that all the teams want another 19 years to recover from the Safari Rally. And we'll be asking, what should we call a big shed that stuff is made in? But first... Let us get on with a smidgen of follow-up, and it is to do with the Greater Manchester Clean Air Zone. Now, uh, we were only talking about this last week, but in between pressing publish and this week, it's been confirmed that the Clean Air Zone will launch in May 2022. Just a quick reminder, this won't cover private cars, but it is for taxis, private hires, uh, small commercial vehicles, and obviously HGVs and buses. Click through on the link if you feel you might be affected, just to double-check whether you are going to be hit by it or not. It's our public service broadcast for the week, everyone. New news now, though, and yes, somewhere that isn't performing a public service very well at all, is the DVLA. DVLA is ah just... I mean, the DVLA has never been famed for its efficiency and customer service. Ease of use. Ease of use. It has just <laughs> been so much worse for the last little while. If When they've introduced the, some of the online systems, they seem to be working really, really well. That's, that's balance. That's like the BBC, that bit. Then they do work very well. So, uh, for example, uh, retaxing your vehicle, change the, change the owner, all that stuff, that works really well. If you've got anything slightly odd, though, if, for example, you're trying to get your license back on medical grounds, if you needed to send them other important documents, then it's not going so well at all. And that's not just COVID and the backlog from that it's because people are uh, are now on uh, strike action for about the third time so they walked out in april they walked out in may there seems to be uh, another round of strike action uh, this week but that is over covid it is over covid related safety yeah because back in january uh, no sorry back last year when there was these lockdowns that were regional before they became a national one mm -hmm. The DVLA office in Swansea was a centre for a spike in cases. So conditions yes. are clearly not great in there. This is what employees have been saying. Well, you're asking, it's not safe for me to come to work. Stop it. And they're being pushed more and more. It's, it is really quite, it's quite poor for anybody who needs their license back to yeah. get a fresh license. So things like passports and stuff like that. People who pass the driving test, people who have just who are waiting for their provisional licenses to come through, mm -hmm. and again, that's going to have a big knock-on effect on uh, other people in other industries like driving instructors and stuff as well. Yeah, what doesn't help is that there's no one on the end of the phone, yeah, and the chat bot does not work. So to make things even yeah. worse, it, it's it's just not very good and seriously needs some sorting out. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Let's move on to, well, hopefully good news, although I'm a little bit tempered by it. Uh, Thierry Buller has announced the sign-off for Jaguar's new strategy, new, new strategy. Uh, and this is for them to become EV only, but I think they're taking a massive punt. They want to basically make Jaguar the same as Range Rover, in terms of what they can charge, the 
profits they can make on that and how people view the brand. Because at the minute, but, but it's as they irrelevant. Say, but at the minute, as they say, you people will try a Jag, they will talk about Jaguar, and then they'll go buy a BMW, Mercedes, or an Audi. And why do they do that? They do that because the reputation for actually owning it is so poor. Yep. It's not to do with the thing. The product, there's nothing wrong with the product as designed. The issue is in is is in reliability. Yeah. As long as people keep seeing them broken down at the sides of the road, Range Rovers, Land Rovers, yep. and to an extent Jaguar, but actually less so Jaguar, but, but to an extent Jaguar, then that is going to keep on being the problem. That is why the lease companies and uh, the valuation companies – you know, the residuals are so much lower, which is why they're so much more expensive to lease. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why you get the good deals on the Audis, you get the good deals on the BMW, you get the good deals on the Mercedes, because there's going to be that secondhand market because the reputation said that this is a good, solid car to buy. Yep. That's not the case with Jaguar. Yeah. And that's, and that's the problem. Desirability is not an issue with a Jaguar. No. Once it gets to the finance, once it gets to some of the quantitative quantitative part things around cost to repair the how much repair is needed all these kind of things and then resale value that's where it falls down that's one of the reasons we don't see more it's because it's so much more expensive to lease to pcp uh, an x and um an xe than it is to than it is a three series mm. But you know, it's a simple fact. Added on top of that, they they made it very clear that they are going to be going in a new way. They are, I mean, the quote is, "We're not going to be looking backwards in terms of design." They talk about how three teams within JLR have come up with a number of options for design mm. language. Sorry, um, this this happens every single time. I don't get, I, I don't get why that's a big deal. I th that actually, to that be isn't honest, a big deal. It, it just happens to me like it was something to fill out what was being said to make it look as though things it, were happening that's exactly what it sounds to me sorry having having been and you have as well having been in large companies and they're trying to they're, they're trying to appear as though they're calm on the top while paddling furiously underneath hmm. you know when filler has been thrown in and that feels really very much like filler there's something in here that made me incredibly cross and if i was if I was closer to Jaguar or something, that's, I'd be furious with management past. They're talking about, oh, well, we need to come up with, we've worked out that we need to have um, a platform, a shared platform that we can add and take things away from. It's like, really? We're in 2021 and that's, that wasn't... They were already doing this. No wonder you're in trouble if you weren't trying to get, being a small volume and you that should have been one of the first things that have been put in place but they're not chasing volume no i know that which by the way is like a red flag to me when they come along going we're not chasing volume any car manufacturer that does that it's like all righty well hmm yes well they can't yet I, well they, they can't well, they can't but they 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 I, tried that we're chasing volume and that fell flat on its face and that's why they're in they're in this position where they're having to yet again reinvent themselves and we know people in jaguar and we we want the company to do well but they have been so poorly led. Yes, I, I just I I find this very this change very 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 strange. I, I feel that certainly the public facing focus of the changes and the ones that that are being that that, that are being you know brought forth to the news and to journalists uh, is not 
is not great. No. I, I don't think it's the thing that needed solved. I'm worried about some of the emphasis. A little bit. I'm 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 kinda hoping that stuff that's not being talked about is also being sorted because I think that's more of an issue than than what all the words are about. Yep. But what do I know, huh? Yeah, but you can click through in the show notes uh, and read the uh, article on Autocar where you get more of an idea. And then, you know, make up your own mind. Are we being too harsh? Are we not being harsh mm. enough? Are we getting it about right? Yeah. Feel free to tweet us and let us know if you if you do yeah. read this. So it, That's one of those times where you get angry, and, and, and but you... Be- <laughs> You want them to survive. Yeah. You want to yeah. be proven wrong. On Absolutely. I, I, I'm angry because I want it to be better. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and that, but, like we said, we know people in there. We know it can be. They just need to be yeah. led well. Anyway, take us to something else that makes people angry. <laughs> Pothole damage. Uh, in 2020, when nobody was driving anywhere, potholes across the UK still cost councils in England uh, more than £8 million worth of taxpayers' funds. Uh, That £8 by the way, over 1.1 million of that was paid out by Manchester. Derbyshire paid out over half a million of that, and Essex paid out $472,000. So there's a fair fair chunk of that cash. That's just over a quarter uh, already accounted for around there. Supposedly, every piece of pothole damage costs on average around £70. However, com- repairing a pothole can cost about as little as £27. It depends where you are. I'm trying to see if I can find an average price for the for a pothole repair. Oh, no, the average cost of fixing a pothole is £70, pardon me. And that can be as low as £27 if you're in Oldham, Rotherham and Kirklees and up to £232 in the scythe. It's just it's just another example of how this country runs at just this side of everything falling over with infrastructure. Supposedly 1.2 million potholes were repaired last year, average of 20,000 a week, but there are still more than 100,000 potholes on the England's roads at any one time. Yeah. They've been doing a whole load around here and sort of bracing up the tank traps and stuff as they do. Mm. Northamptonshire Council, oh, sorry, we're now North Northamptonshire Council around here because we're a unitary council. If you live in this part of Northamptonshire, you'll know what people's thoughts are on that, especially around Corby. Uh, they've they've actually been out and, and they've got a sort of uh, out, strike team for mm-hmm. quick pothole repair. And basically they just, and it's minimum minimum viable pothole repairing i don't mean the repair is i mean the team so there's not loads of diggers and stuff they've just got a small amount of stuff and they just right we're doing this and they this will close off one line patch repair stuff yeah well no it, it is proper hot tar and everything mm. on the van but they just don't have like 13 diggers a porta potty if they yeah. you know and they don't close the road close the road for a whole day it's like that that portion of road is closed for 15 minutes yeah, our, our lot have started doing that around our round here. That they are, yeah. that it is like a flatbed transit with just enough to go and do a morning's yeah. worth of these patches. These are the ones you're going to hit. And, and but they with. covered quarter of a mile's worth in in less than the morning, yeah. and that's quite bad. So actually, they were doing, you know, they were fairly motoring on with it. To be perfectly honest, I don't know how long they'll last, but it's better than it was. Yeah, that's that's the problem, isn't it? Always with these repairs is it's how long it's going to last because the because it, it, the investment required now is so huge to strip a road back to do it properly mm. that it's probably cheaper to do it for ten years of putting these rubbish patches that come up every winter because they mm. get enough water in there 
and they get pulled out or the, it gets hot enough in the summer than it is to close the road for three days, strip it down, redo it, and then off we go. And especially last year when people weren't working for many months. Yep. You've got to remember that as well. Let's go to Wales, where they're going to be patching roads for quite a bit longer. Yes, they have announced that they're going to suspend all future road building plans. A major reason for this is that it is going to reduce pollution. Now, part of that is from the actual works of putting a new road in, but the other Mm -hmm. is that they want to spend the money that they would be spending on allowing more vehicles around to be spent on sustainable transport, on active travel stuff. So it's like bike lanes, bus lanes, infrastructure for sustainable transport. So I presume they're going to be putting some money into EV charging and maybe hydrogen, hopefully hydrogen, particularly on the South Wales sort of corridor Mm. that would seem to work well down there if they could get a couple of hydrogen points just even eve even andrew just you know comprehensive public transport in rural areas yeah it's so difficult i mean i know what it's like in scotland well i i think this is this is a big test actually for that very point because the around well basically south wales and a little bit of north wales uh, and some of the east side of wales uh, joining england has populations but the rest of it doesn't so Mm -hmm. that's a big ask particularly if you're going for um, active travel you've still got to understand and cater for people who live in these villages who need to move around and that's something that hasn't happened well in england and we look at we you know we talk everywhere about bus services have just been shut Mm. once they were all privatized we know that's a problem it's it's a good test bed because it's quite a no it's not a massive area is it wales so they've got the not really it's about the size of wales yes (laughs) which is how many how many many madrids (laughs) (laughs) whatever that one was that somebody used randomly that meant nothing to anyone except for people who lived in madrid It's quite a few double-decker buses long, and <laughs> yes. uh, and some some blue whales yes. wide, uh, I believe. Yes, <laughs> uh, but but I think it's, it's, it, it because they are so far behind Scotland. So it will be interesting to see what they can make happen on that front. And the other thing that I just wanted to talk about when we're talking about active travel, uh, Neil Briscoe retweeted somebody today, and they had a cracking idea, which was to pay farmers to give up a portion of their land and fields that are adjacent to roads or on, mm-hmm. a, on a direct line somewhere between the hedge and the rest of the field to be paid by councils and the government to give that over to cycle lanes or bridleways and things like that. So therefore you didn't have to put pressure on country lanes where there isn't the room in a lot of places for bicycles and cars and buses and lorries it's just not safe to do that but if you put it inside these other places particularly if you play paid farmers especially as you know we're we're all Mm -hmm. witnessing how difficult it is to be a farmer if you're paying attention to clarkson's (laughs) farm that the realities of that and the way that subsidies have change because of our, our decision as a country where how we're going to align ourselves with the rest of the world this is a win on two fronts for me i think it's a brilliant idea i think so i hope someone picks it up who can make the decisions happen though yeah there's some there's some there's some space for that idea i think mm. that's a good one yeah i like that, I like that. 
Anyway, talking of sustainable transport and um, public transport, Alan. Goodness, we're so slick tonight. We're going to it's all going to come tumbling down in a minute. Don't uh, it you is. Worry. It's going to go awful. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, Hyundai are starting trials of hydrogen buses in Germany. Their Elec City fuel cell bus uh, is going to go into to operation on su- some route in Munich. It says while carrying passengers in this Yes Auto, this Yes Auto article, which to me seems pretty flipping obvious really Uh, it's not much of a bus if it's not carrying passengers Uh, however it's capable of traveling more than 310 miles on a single hydrogen fill and this isn't a new model these have been available commercially in korea since 2019 and in total 108 of them are already in operation uh in korea okay uh, sounds like quite a good idea quick question because i know our listeners uh will probably ask this Last week we mm-hmm. said how what a great idea it was to make electric buses. Yeah. Why would a hydrogen fuel cell bus be advantageous in an urban environment? Well, partly it's because it, it fills more quickly. Mm-hmm. So that means uh so you're also not drawing especially if you've got a depot load of buses, you're also not putting much more load on what could already be quite a heavily loaded uh grid at that point Mm -hmm. Uh, and you can generate your hydrogen on site to an extent okay solar and wind i honestly can't think why else is there some secret answer no 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 but but it just occurred to me we were we were very positive about the ev buses because Mm -hmm. they were only going to run in a short distance and their their charge would cover yeah. that and then you bring them back all and you can charge them overnight yeah. and that sort of thing so that that made it depends. sense it, but i can see this working for the more rural areas it, well that and also if you have less space okay because yeah. remember if you yeah. need to refuel a number of buses then if you've got many that need charged all at once taking four or five hours worth of charge which I think was the number, wasn't it? Something like that. Then you've got to have them. You've got to have multiple vehicles charging at once. Hence the draw on the grid. Mm. Whereas if if you're charging with if you're just refueling with hydrogen, then you have sort of five ten minutes each, and it's done at the end of a shift. It it shouldn't take any longer than than filling with diesel, really. Yeah. So you know, again, actually, in many ways, it's far more like running a diesel bus. So there's uh, fewer changes to process for fewer impact on just just you know how the whole system works really mm-hmm. whereas with evs it, it's a far bigger behavior change yeah, yeah yeah as i think uh anyone who has followed people who have been on their first electric journey <laughs> um have 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 learned yes well some of them have learned some. well some of them learned, yeah. ultimately does it matter as a passenger no 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 it should make no difference whatsoever as a passenger even as a bystander i mean they've been running running fuel cell buses in london for years now uh particularly around the city they run on being single decker they can't run on the same routes that need double deckers if you know what i mean yeah, yeah. so you tend to find them in and they, you you tended to notice them in and around the city actually in some places and some of the sort of some of the routes routes there but those were by i think they're byd Okay. Build your dreams. <laughs> now the world's largest manufacturer of, of face masks. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They did a big swivel right at the start of it. Sorry, a really interesting company. Mm. So that's mostly relevant to the motoring podcast, but really a very interesting company. I remember they showed Chinese cars at uh, 
at Geneva a number of years ago. And you just looked at them and you thought, what? They're never going to sell any over here. And sure enough, they haven't. But the massive change in what they do now compared to six or seven years ago at Geneva where most of the badges were sort of Chinese. And it was like, what? Who's expected to buy these? But no, now they're sort of, as with most Chinese cars, come on leaps and bounds and certainly from the aesthetic point of view. Yeah. Right, I'm going to take us to Stellantis quickly, and it is the news that they have signed up to the Armed Forces Covenant, which is that they will support service personnel and their families, provide training to service leavers, and help them come back into civilian life and to have a future and something to work with. So that's worked in partnership with Mission Motorsport. Uh, who obviously long-time listeners will know that we we support them as, as much as we shout about them because we think it's a really worthy charity and they do a fantastic job as well as being mm-hmm. absolutely lovely people to boot. <laughs> Just on top. Well, they're all right. <laughs> um, so th- this is this is really great news because this is on the back of uh, Jaguar Land Rover. They've already signed up to it and, and several other companies have been doing so. I think Toyota have as well, haven't they? I'm sure. Oh yeah, many, uh, I'm sure Toyota has. Yes, yeah, so m- many most many car companies are, already have done, but because Stellantis is so big, encompassing so many brands, that's why this is this is this is a big thing. Certainly, Jaguar and Land Rover have, yeah, uh, amongst others. Uh, Toyota have been doing stuff. So that that's uh, just a nice little bit of good news there to uh, round out the uh, first half. It is. So that being the end of the first part, that means it's Guilt Minute. Uh, that quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and spring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. Uh, if you don't have any spare cash, and we completely understand that, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thank you, lots and lots, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Yes, and thank you to everyone who does. It's very much appreciated. Right, WRC. Finally, back in Kenya, Safari Rally. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, dear. Wow. Uh, most WRC events are battles of attrition. We've we've come used to that in the last few years. But the Safari Rally really took that to quite a new level <laughs> this time. There's some, some happiness for a few and a lot of tears of sadness for many others. I'll just go through the results first. And that there is- are some fantastic photos once again. So do please go to, you know, follow the link in the show notes through to Dirtfish. And even if you don't want to read the words, just look at the pictures because they're cool. Yep, they are. So Sebastian Ogier, again, where he was early on, did not have a hope of winning the rally, but won it. He pipped Takamoto uh, Katsuta, um, to, who was second and his first ever his first ever podium for Toyota in a proper senior WRC event. So congratulations to him. He was actually leading the rally mm-hmm. for a few um, a few stages. And I think it was the second to last stage. He and Ogier were tied absolutely level pecking on time. Wow. 
It is like we show Sebastian Ogier, naught point naught, Katsuta, naught point naught on the timing difference. It was amazing. Uh, so was. That was great. And Ottanek brought home the uh, Hyundai i20 back in third. So once again, Hyundai gets third <laughs> on the podium. Yeah, it was it was savage. Elvin Evans in the first uh, the first stage, I think it was, or early on uh, in day one. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically destroyed his front right corner because he he hit a uh, stone. Nouveau he was leading for so long in this rally, but then his right uh, his rear right damper broke and it was just too bad to fix. Sordo came off on day one as well. Well, he was running well um, and he couldn't get it back on. It was just horrifically harsh. As a result, uh, M Sport. Um, they didn't do too badly on the back of this as well. They got some some decent points, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, I've, obviously Ogier's driver of the of the event, but I think uh, Katsuta is close, very close second because he he kept it clean. He's been doing really, he's been ticking along really well, all you know, for most of the most of the most of the championship this year. I mean, he's fourth. 69 points behind Ogier, Evans, and Nubi. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, very impressed. Yeah, so again, in the show notes, we will have the report from Dirtfish. Also from Dirtfish, we will have Colin Clark's driver ratings and the Mm -hmm. What We Learnt article, all of which are great reading. And as Alan says, the pictures are just superb. And I don't know if anybody saw any of the social media stuff around the event, but my word, the Kenyans really got into it and seemed to just love the fact that they were in town and around and having a good time. It was just some of it was just utterly brilliant what you saw. Uh, and yeah, it looked great. Really yeah, it was, it was well done WRC, but well done Kenya. Um, I think mm-hmm. you, you've you've really shown off how we should be back there on a regular basis for WRC events. Yes, agree, totally agree. New new car news, Alan. Yes, well, new new car news is a car that you may not notice is new. Try that one for the uh, alliteration. Uh, the twenty twenty two Honda Civic. You will know. Revealed with a new fastback style look, uh, according to Richard Alcock. Sorry, but Richard. it had a fastback look. I thought it already had a fastback. It was look. already it, a it, fastback. Yeah. It's so. So a couple of things that are notable about this. Uh, one is it's as if somebody has got the previous generation Civic and a big block of sandpaper and said, right, all those really annoying wonky bits, we're just going to sand them all off and we're going to make it look a little bit more uh, a little bit more conventional. Mm. I don't think that's helped the looks at the front, though. I don't think it's helped the looks a lot either, to be perfectly honest. I've, I've come to not mind the looks of current generation well, one Civic. One of the things is that this isn't a Europe special model or anything anymore no uh because of course it's not going to be built at swindon it, it will be built in japan obviously will be alterations in trim level but no special no special model for europe despite the fact that this coupe like profile is inspired by european sport bags really because they seem to just have stopped with when there should be another two or three foot on the back of it well uh, yeah, if you insist. Uh, so, uh, also the interior is very different. So, some of the angularity has gone from the interior, like the wonky shaped dials, uh, wonky shaped steering wheel, 
Uh, and it's got kind of a cool sort of mesh treatment of the vents that goes right across the middle, um, which is interesting. I'm pleased to see they have dispensed with the 73,000 different types of material that was in the cabin. Yes, so the cabin looks like, so whilst the outside might look like the existing one that's been rounded off a bit and sanded down, the interior looks like there have been some significant jumps in that. Also, it looks like it's a completely new interface, although this one is in Japanese in the photo, uh, on the navigation system. So hopefully that's going to be usable. Mm. But other than that, it looks really neat and clean inside. It looks like a car I'd rather be in than standing looking at, but that's that's not desperately unusual these days. Uh, so yes, it's, it's coming along in, uh, in 2022. Oh, uh, it will have 1.5 turbo engine as well, as well as a, an EHEV hybrid engine too. So it doesn't sound like there's going to be a fair an EV uh, version just yet. No, I don't think looking at a design, they're going to have people knocking the doors down that weren't already going to them for a Civic anyway, unfortunately. No. I think it's going to remain a niche player. Yeah. Right, talking of something that I am actually interested and excited about. <laughs> and that is going to be built in the UK. Yep, and that is the new, is it London Electric Vehicle Company? Is that what they call it? Yeah, LEVC. Yeah, LEVC are, um, with a range extender, creating a camper van based on the van that was based on <laughs> the new cab that uh, we are seeing more and more of um, that's been built in Coventry, isn't it? It's built. Yes, yeah, Coventry. just outside Coventry. Yeah. Big uh, purpose-built purpose-built factory. Um, they're very common around here. Yes. They're going to make a, an e-camper, so it's going to have 60-mile EV range, uh, and then with an engine it takes it up to 301 miles, or 304 miles, sorry, as a total range. Once I saw this, I remember we've talked not so long ago about how they needed to make this, or I talked at you, about yes, how they probably. needed to make this one of those cars from a van things mm. that for families, particularly with the sliding doors, particularly with the brilliant turning circle and uh, the partial ele- electrification and all the other stuff. But I just think it's a it's a no brainer that if you want to do if you want to move a lot of stuff and a number of people and you and you have a certain footprint of which you can only work within. I think this God, you might know what they have to do. And I have, I have for free given this to Geely. Uh, they need to slap some plastic cladding on, and they are well yes. away. Yeah, yeah, it needs to be raised up a bit and, and some plastic cladding. I think it looks kind of cool. So this this e camper is going to have an electric kitchenette obviously because you've got plenty of batteries in a hybrid like this and you can charge it you know from the generator you know use the engine as a generator anyway a uh, folding table second row bench seat that folds into a bed uh, and a pop-up pop roof as well which creates more sleeping area i guess and some headroom they claim for birth yeah well that's the fold down bed in yeah. uh, underneath and then then two in the roof space yeah yeah, it's a cost from sixty-two to fifty, which sounds like lots, but it really isn't for a camper, uh, for a sort of transporter style. Yeah, that's uh, um, definitely comparable to the not the Caravelle because it's not that anymore. T whatever it is this week, yes, to to the ones that are basically swarmed all across the south of England. Yeah, soon, very very soon. Right, keeping it real, take us to the final vehicle, Daisha Duster. It's uh, been facelifted. It's gained some new technology. 
and a slightly updated infotainment system. But it looks it looks like a a smartened up version of the current range. I have a small worry with Dacia, uh, and that's that it's it's going a bit Skoda. In that it's starting out very very honest bargain basement on a pure on yeah no frills mm. basis, but it's getting kind of blingier and shinier as time goes on. Mm. And I wonder if there's you know and then there's what they're going to do introduce another brand below datsun so well yes yes well c- can they introduce datsun though now at the time yes it was meant to be datsun you're actually quite right further down africa and stuff where where datsun was more recognized than than dacia or, or renault because in in mexico and stuff the salt's renault hmm. in uh, uh in north africa dacia uh, but yeah, it's, it's a good-looking thing, though. It doesn't look overly done. I don't think it's at the the level I was was, was I was saying that it hasn't reached that tipping point yet. But um, but, but yeah, you can it's, see it's a, a good-looking thing. Certainly see a path. Yes, but I, yes, but yes. I like it. I I really like them. I I really like the the honesty of them. It sort of it reminds me a lot of the likes of the Jimny, as in this. You know, we're not pretending to be anything else. Mm-hmm. This is what we'll do. There are compromises if you buy this because there is a price point in which it is hitting yeah and therefore things you know the technology will match that the materials will match that um but you see plenty of them about people are prepared to buy them um, and and despite my and despite my whinging prices you know for the basic one which probably very few other people other than utility companies will buy uh still starts from around twelve thousand pounds so you know it's really difficult to make a car that inexpensive it is. these days <laughs> it is especially a decent car that in that inexpensive yeah, yeah. so no i like yeah, that one quite something i think, I think, mm-hmm. I think that one will, i honestly i reckon that'll sell better than the civic oh uh yeah i would put money on it yeah yeah but yeah still slightly related to Dacia for designer's mood board yes uh and the news that uh, miles nurnberger who for the last 13 years has been the uh, design director at aston martin has left for actual Dacia. So that's quite a change in philosophy. Yeah, it, 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 well, it's a different challenge, isn't it? Absolutely. He's been responsible for the DBX, the DB11, Valkyries, and some of the um, concept cars. Uh, and now he's off to take over at Dacia. And we'll, mm, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see what the plan is with Dacia. It is... Mm-hmm. Is the plan, as we were just talking there, to move them into the middle rung of the Renault triple? I don't know why you'd do that when you already have Renault there. Well, you got Renault, which would go maybe slightly more premium feeling. Then can it, though? Oh. Sorry. I don't want to be Captain, Captain no, no, no. Doom and Gloomy I, no, it's, on that. It's, it's, it's I realistic just, I because just Ford have that, have constantly have that problem. Ford are constantly trying to make part of it go to be thought of as premium. Yeah, constantly they, people they tr- just go, no, that's not because Renault. Tr- Renault have tried that loads of times with uh, with you know the Initial uh, most recently uh, and currently. Uh, before that, there's been sort of the Monaco trims, trim levels and stuff. So there's always been a top level. Renault and, and Renault doesn't have 
in France doesn't have that issue, but there is no, there is nothing above Renault. I so it's not like they've got they, a DS that they can pretend is. No, it's not. Well, I don't know if they premium. have any brands hidden away. You see, but I think most of those sort of ended up as part of PSA and got absorbed into Citroen and Peugeot over the mm. years, as opposed to into Renault, because Renault has just been Renault since almost the dawn of the car, really. And yeah. that they did start out building big saloon car. Uh, if you go around the Schlumpf collection in Malou's sometime, you know, maybe if you're ever allowed. <laughs> it's 350 pounds in tests for you there, sir. Uh, then, then you can see some of those big classic Renaults. Yeah, I think that's a challenge. And I, but I don't think that in the home market, they can move Renault too far, too far up market either, mm. because you still got to have the Clio's and the, well, not so much Twingo's, but they're coming out with Renault five concept and stuff. So unless they're super clever, I don't see that that's going to happen. Yeah. Be interesting to see what he does because it'll mm. have to tie into a sort of group plan. And at the yes. minute, it's all their group plan is all about the Renault Volution or whatever it's called. Revol- whatever the uh, it's impossible Renaultion. Yeah, that's it. That that ugh. Uh, <laughs> it works better. It works better if you say it in a lower low voice. Actually, it's almost impossible to pronounce in English. <laughs> I, I see that our instant feedback service here is is commenting that Dacia will probably get the grill like Ford did after Aston Martin was sold so expect that's <laughs> that look yeah can we look forward to we'll that see. then on, on Dacia does <laughs> Dacia with a slightly raised in the middle and drops yes. down yeah or mini DV uh, DVXs <laughs> yes <laughs> right take us to the lunchtime read uh, lunchtime read. Uh, this one's vaguely topical. Uh, it's by James Atwood from today, and it's all about it's 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 titled it's titled Pedants Corner by the term Gigafactory Great, and it does great. And it's an annoying word. I, I think that unlike Macaulay, um, I think it's just one of those things that we're going to have to sort of grit our teeth and bear it. Um, it it does, you know, everybody's going, oh, it's actually to do with putting out this many batteries per game. Yeah, that's great, wonderful, brilliant. Yeah, when it's doing it, you can call it a gigafactory. Up until then, the word, the, the gigabit is just to make it sound trendy and new. It's a factory. Yeah, even when it gets to the point that it produces whatever the requirement is per hour of batteries, it is still a factory. In the fifties, it would have been a you know a, it would have been a a, a batorama or something or a batomat or something you know it would have it would have th- those were the no, linguistic because they weren't silly. those well they were really with a laundromat um, along the road uh, but you know there's so it's the linguistic tweaks a little while ago it's it's a wonder there weren't eye factories you know I think there possibly were it's just what's trendy at the minute linguistically we've just got to suck it up because um because nobody else nobody can stop people absorbing some of these terrible marketing uh marketing terms mm. into just general spouting you know yeah we, we'll there still we hold this corner of the internet clean though oh god yes you will and I'll do it because I don't want to listen to you if I misspeak. There we yes, go. Yes, there you go. It's all right See, for the listeners. It. <laughs> it's all right for the listeners. They can fast forward. They can just go, I'm not listening to anyone of this rubbish. No one fast uh, but, forwards us, Alan. But, Come on. But, you don't know, give them but, ideas. But I actually have to, to suffer this in real time. <laughs> yes. Off air, So skip, skip, skip. Come on. 
Tell me about the list of the week, Andrew. List of the week, sort of tying in, um, thanks to the inspiration of the LEVC uh, camper, e-camper van, Top Gear has a list of nine alternatives to lifestyle vehicles. Make sure you have your pinches of salt ready, everyone. Yes. Uh, as, not a small as they cup state in some cases. At, the, at the start of this as well, and they said, no, we're not sure what that means either. <laughs> so going through this list of suggestions as alternatives to some of the default choices, do you have one that leaps out to you as a particular, oh, yes, I'd, I'd actually go for that? Yes. Okay. Instead of a Volkswagen Turok Cabriolet... Uh. <laughs> Choose instead a flying Miata. If you don't know what a flying Miata is, then um, do look it up on the interwebs. Uh, but it is, in this case, a Mark. Their current one is a Mark Four MX Five, where they have removed the engine and replaced it with an LS, because LS all the things. <laughs> so, uh, if you don't know what an LS motor is, then you're either Andrew, or you're probably not a listener. Good choice. I like that. I'm not going to say. I love the fact he's not denied that. No, no, I'm not denying that at all. Uh, I know it's because I'm I'm too old to try and pretend when I don't know things. Really, you've been homeschooling. How have you managed that? Or is that what's taught you? <laughs> Looked to up Google. Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, got one of the older ones. How did you do this maths? Because this is not how I was told oh, to do maths. Know, yeah, that seems to be a perpetual <laughs> cry these days. But this, this is a great list. You will see some cracking ideas on there. And I personally would happily have, uh, looking through the list, pretty much any one of these. If not, oh, There are some together. very cool substitutions and some very cool straight-up answers that I, I would have chosen anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, take us to our and finally, which isn't creepy and weird in any way, Alan. It is so creepy and weird. Oh, and God. you've only linked to one in the original one, but there's another one which I'm going to talk about as well. Hyundai. Hyundai has bought the robot maker Boston Dynamics, which surprises me because, to be honest, I thought they were going to be snapped up by one of the big uh, American defense companies. But before we go any further, Alan, I would like to welcome our new... AI robot overlords and say that I have always supported them in everything I've said and anything I have said that's possibly been seen as negative against them is purely to hide my true feelings and not be set upon by the crowds. I think it's creepy as hell to be perfectly honest. Uh, so yes, so Hyundai has bought Boston Dynamics and it's celebrate doing it with some odd videos. Uh, the first one... <laughs> The first one's about mobility evolving and so does humanity and, and that's all right. I mean, it's 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 kind of weird. And, I don't know. It's a two-drink minimum it's marketing job. It's a dystopian job. future they're painting it's in really some weird. places. There some is of it not- is, is sort of go, okay, I can sort of see that. And others I'm going, oh, my God, no. <laughs> it's just, well, the whole headless dog thing just freaks the heck out of me. Even when it's bright yellow in, in the one that they released today – which, oops, pardon me, before we get done for copyright or whatever, which is the Hyundai by Boston Dynamics, because you have to do that when two things are collaborating. It's Hyundai X, Boston Dynamics, uh, and BTS, so K-pop group, BTS, uh, as well, <laughs> getting down <laughs> with it. No, or was I'm that you- in the press release? <laughs> no, 
did actually know. <laughs> actually, I, originally I thought it was JLS. I have no idea. I just, I, I don't know. So anyway, it's a boy band. Yep. It's got loads of kids. They, they, there's like the usual segregation of members of a boy band because there's like five of them. Uh, and this involves one called Spot, which is a bit weird as well. So, so yes, he gets down and ends up dancing with the K-pop boy band. Okay, it's 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 all making me highly uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so please, you and I, can we can we have a, a sign of life, please, to make sure that you haven't actually been completely taken over by um, headless dog robots? Yes. That are dancing. Oh, rather weird. I mean, I can so I can see some applications for it for a self-propelling legged thing. Yes, they involve but, gut. They in they they yes. But stop mm. pretending they're a dog or something. They're AFVs or autonomous fighting vehicles. Well, yeah, there's all that. Oh God! Anyway, let's 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 move on. Sorry, let's, shall we I think move it's on from that? Notes now, <laughs> yes. Before we get into RoboCop <laughs> and a total dystopian thing, uh, what we've we got? A couple of things. Uh, last Friday, I put out a special edition, chatting to to some of the editorial team behind the new classic retro modern uh, magazine, which deals with classic retro and modern cars in a in a funky cool design um mm. it will be available that. in uh it thank you uh, it will be available in all good news agents and stores uh from the first of july so you'll be able to go out and purchase one uh or you can subscribe of course uh classic retro modern look for them on all the socials as well as their their website mm-hmm. two uh the other thing is it's been really nice because last week i actually Andrew and I saw each other face to face for the first time in 19 months. Did we work out? Just, something like that, yeah. Yeah, first motoring podcast was the last time we'd actually seen each other. Yes. So, so yes, that that was cool. So, um, thanks to to Shamikara of Omelgatos for inviting us along to the superbikes uh, at Old Park, which was really oh, good fun. Actually. Great fun, really, and good 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 company. You know, despite yeah. Andrew. Uh, and it was nice to bump into folk there as well. So, yes. Uh, so yes, Ian, Rob, Dan, etc. It's cool and learnt lots because I knew practically nothing about superbikes. So yes, that was that was cool as well. So yes, they're jolly quick. Some of those chaps, they <laughs> are absolute machines. nutters. <laughs> yes. Quite frankly, um, we had just... a perfect angle at one place that we stood to catch people coming out of the last bend off the last corner across the start-finish straight. And mm-hmm. how close they were, their heads were, to the Arnco whilst absolutely caning it, yeah, leaning over ridiculously far, still with the taps open as far as they could <laughs> to, to end up coming across the start-finish line Do- at over 120 mile an hour. It's like, wow. D- there's some self-preservation gene missing there. It's, mm. it's it's really impressive, really really impressive, and even right down to the tiddlers doing yeah. it, the twelve to eighteen year olds, yeah, um, just just crazy, really awesome to watch, uh, great to great to go and see, yeah. and, and, and the atmosphere to... was so fab, it was so chilled, it 
It was. And it was this was one of the four thousand maximum events. Yeah. It felt like the right number of people mixed together, particularly as we haven't all been in big crowds. Recently. Yeah, it was nice. Every, everybody, it was funny because, uh, you know, just as we all are, or almost all of us are nowadays, people were just like creating, you know, they had their own little, their own little group. And then there was about two meters. <laughs> you could probably have gone around with a yardstick, you know, about yeah. two meters. And then there was the next little group. And then there was this group. So it, it was nice. So from a distance, and you know, if you're looking across, it looks like there's a sea of people, but really there aren't. There's lots of little bunches of people. Yeah. And it just felt nice. And it was, it was good. And the, the pits were the, you know, we were in the, the paddock area, uh, which was cool. And then we got to walk down the pit lane and the pit walk at the start on mm. Saturday. And it was good. Really good, and it yep. was it was nice to see folk. Yes, cool. Anyway, so have we gushed enough about that? Because I feel I've been a little bit over gushy just there. No, no, no we're happy cool. to have got out. So I think that's us for the week, though, isn't it? It is. It is. So uh, everyone, don't forget between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our Patreon offer. Uh, and all the other ways to support us available at motionpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, if people want to ask you more about, I don't know, robot dogs, um, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Planned, for, for no sensible response, you can get hold of me on Twitter if you search for Crack Windscreen. You will find me there. And I don't know if people would like to speak to you and now give get your full feedback and knowledge of British superbikes. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? <laughs> I'm, so glad, I'm so glad you said that. I thought you were going to say K-pop. Uh, best way, <laughs> best way is uh, Twitter, of course. Where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B R A D L E Y. Uh, we'll be back uh, pretty soon, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.